0: Hi, I'm Kirsten Leo, and this is The Light Path Podcast, brought to you by thelightpathcollective.com. I am passionate about exploring energetic practices, spiritual principles, healing modalities, and connecting to the experience and wisdom of others to illuminate our paths and live at our greatest capacity for abundance, worthiness, and love. Today on the podcast, I am joined by Nat king this is a conversation about how we can begin to really listen to and trust the wisdom of our own bodies. Nat is a qualified healthcare practitioner, an author, a speaker, and an all-round natural fertility expert. She is also the founder of Melbourne Women's Health Clinic, The Pagoda Tree, creator of Younuts, and the producer of Health Talks TV. Nat is on a mission to educate and empower women. And even just tapping into her socials, you'll really see how she walks her talk. She really is driven by her mission to get us clued up on our body so that we can take control of our own hormone health. She does hold a Bachelor of Health Sciences, Traditional Chinese Medicine Herbal, and an Advanced Diploma in Acupuncture, Combined with 16 years clinical experience. I really hope that this episode encourages you, inspires you, and empowers you on your own health journey. Welcome Nat. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it is absolutely my pleasure. I have been following you for quite some time and always dipping into your wisdom via the socials that you're on and often the lives that you do. So it's such an honor to be speaking to you. Thank you so much for sharing
1: all your wisdom and oh, so enthusiastically. I love it. Oh, thanks. I just talk. I don't even know who's listening, to be honest. i been <laughs> doing best. it for myself. <laughs> oh Well, trust me, it helps bucket loads. Oh, Awesome. Well, let's kick off our chat
0: the way I always kick them off what is your favorite quote?
1: It's so cliche. I was thinking about this and I'm like, oh, but I do love it. And it's be the change you wish wish to see in the world. I just think it's so important to embrace that. And also being a mother now and having kids, um, being the example that I want them to be keeps me accountable as well. So it's, it's really putting out there what you want to get back, isn't it? At the end of the day. But I also don't think that we can, we're very good at complaining about the world that we live in, but really what are we doing about making it better? So I do think that we have this responsibility to live our best lives but also set an example.
0: You do say it's cliche, but it's a big responsibility to actually action that. And you do, I can see that in your work and part of, I mean, this is really not part of your work, but I love the conversations you have on Instagram with your, is
1: she a preteen still, your daughter? She's 14. Oh, she's really in there. Yeah, she's in there. And she's about to have her own podcast episode as well, which love I'm it. so excited about. Oh, yeah,
0: <laughs> I just recently you've had a chat with her on the couch, you with a glass of wine and yes. you were talking about, you know, was that my period? Am I getting my period? And I thought this is
1: gold for all those mothers out there that just don't know how to have that conversation. Right. right. And also because we weren't taught properly. So then we freeze because all oh, we, we love the, you know, let's just delay this and talk about it later. Yeah, let's talk about it when it happens. Or the worst one is ask your dad. Oh, I hope (laughs) no one (laughs) says that,
0: especially about periods. Well, I
1: think it's more about where did I come from. It's like, oh, ask your father. But when it comes to periods, I do think that, um, look, this generation are definitely more educated than what we ever were. Mm. They've got a lot more resources at their fingertips, which I just love. Um, and, And I really encourage that conversation with Olivia. Like I think it's just so important. Because it was such a mystery to me when I got my period. It was just, it was this mystical thing that was going to happen. And it was also because there was no evolution of a conversation. It just happened when I turned what my mum thought was an appropriate age to talk about the birds and the bees. We sat down and we had the talk. And so, you know, I really think the evolution of that conversation is really important. Like from the minute kids start to ask the questions, how can we give them factual information um, so that they can continue to have this ongoing dialogue so that by the time they get their period or by the time for a boy, he might have his first experience of an erection, whatever that is, Mm -hmm. it's not some weird mystical thing. It's like, oh yeah, I've got this, no different to going to the bathroom or blowing your nose. Like it's something that we do. It's something that happens. How do you perceive having that conversation with your son? (sighs) Well, the funny thing is that he's not been hidden away from the conversation. So Uh, everything that we've talked about, everything that I talked to Livy about hasn't necessarily been in private. It's just been wherever and whether he's around or not. And he definitely knows and he doesn't love talking about it, but he's listening. And I think that's really important. And then in terms of even the sex education that they're getting at school, like I said, it is—it's much better than what we got. And so he—they have those conversations now as well. Oh, the sex education at school! Like I remember
0: standing in for the Year Six teacher; she had to jump out to do something, and they were having their sex education lesson. I learned so much in that five minutes.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, "What?" <laughs> so good though. Like you know, even yeah, they start it from such a young age. Anyway, um, so I think for him, we'll keep having that conversation. Um, I want him to know just as much about his body as what he should about a woman as well, and to just have that knowledge I think is really important, and that's, I think, how we change the landscape just in general. um, You know, when, when it comes to sexual and reproductive health, I think that's how we do it. We keep talking about it rather than it being a taboo topic that you only talk about when the moon's in a certain Yeah, (laughs) position and the wind's blowing a certain way, you know? (laughs) Sure. And I
0: think especially with all the stuff that's going on right now with, you know, men and how we wish to raise them, knowledge is power and normalcy is power. Yep. This is normal.
1: This happens to everyone. Totally. Totally. And we've got a disconnect from what we or or how we were um, educated and how things were spoken about. Even- not even not just with reproductive health but even with emotions and you know I've caught my husband a few times saying to my son don't cry you need to be tough and I was like no 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 that's not how this goes if you need to cry you cry and my husband was a bit like oh yeah right okay he was just pro he's just programmed and saying what he was told so you know, we need—we definitely need to have this awareness and check in with ourselves. Again, be the change we wish to see yeah, so, so it- that we can we can actually create something better for them. And I get very excited when I think about what it will look like for Olivia's children because that's going to be another layer again where I think we've pro- we would have progressed so much by then. That my mum says that all the time. I did it better than my mum and you girls will do it better
0: than me yeah. and so forth and so forth. Yeah. Um, I guess what draws me to your work especially as you know a woman in her 40s is the way in which you can see through everything you do your passion of empowerment with women and their bodies. So through guiding women and supporting women through this what do you find with your clients and the people that you speak with are their biggest barriers to really understanding
1: our own bodies and our own health? I think we've given away our power we've we've been raised to when we're sick we go to the doctor and the doctor will tell us what's wrong with us and you know the doctor will tell us how we're feeling almost and and that happens it's like you're fine there's nothing wrong with you and you're like well that's not an answer you know so I think the first thing is yeah we've we've given our power away we're trusting other people when it comes to how we're feeling um our symptoms aren't always they don't always make sense Mm -hmm. and therefore they're dismissed and I really think that leaves a lot of women feeling very frustrated and disconnected to be honest because it's like well you're telling me I'm fine so I should be fine but I don't feel fine so you know what do I do with that what do we what do we do with that information and I'm here to say your symptoms are never wrong they're yours They belong to you and that we should always continue to explore whatever they are because it's your body's way of communicating and showing you exactly what's wrong. And in my experience over the years, I rely far more on somebody's presentation than I do their test results. I can tell you nine times out of 10 um, after sitting with tens of thousands of women I can tell you what's pretty much wrong with most people just from a very small conversation and helping them to reconnect with themselves. And so I will say this to patients and and followers and whoever, I want to become irrelevant because you have the information. You don't need me. I just am here to remind you or sometimes set you back on the track. But if I can empower you, help you understand what your body is telling you, help you understand your symptoms and what that means, and then give you a plan to get your body back to where it should be then to me that's that's holistic health that's how we actually reconnect with ourselves and that's how we we get to feel better but i think you know, for too long, we've given that away. And also, you know, the use of things like birth control, I'm not anti-birth control. I need to put that out there because people think I am and I'm not. Really? I'm like, I'm so about you making an informed choice. Yeah. And and if you're making it, that decision because you've got the information, not because you've told, been told this is what you have to do because you've actually got the information and you've ma- made a decision based on what's best and what feels best for you kudos to you. That's an amazing place to be able to exist from. You don't need to justify that to anybody. But I think birth control is a very good example where it's prescribed to often treat, treat with bunny ears, a problem and it doesn't do that. It it flatlines hormones. So it means that women are being misled. they are being told that this will fix their problems. It will flatline your hormones. So it will help to control your symptoms. But the minute you stop taking it, the imbalance is still there and tenfold often because of the side effects that and the long term effects that has so what that means is women have disconnected from themselves again they their brain on birth control does all sorts of weird and wonderful things that we've we're slowly learning about basically turns you into somebody else and again that's why we don't know who we are because of things like that so you know it's about making an informed decision if you're using birth control for contraception that's a decision that you make but if you're using it to treat your acne mm-hmm. then that's a completely different scenario so it's really just weighing up all the options and being informed to make a good decision for your own particular scenario and that's where it ends you don't need to justify that to anyone how how
0: then do you get back to a baseline of normalcy because i don't i'm not sure my story is unique, but early twenties, super tired all the time, was told, get over it. You're young and went on birth control for the birth control reasons. And it wasn't until my early thirties, I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's and now I'm 43, still taking (laughs) prescription for that. I don't know what my normal is. And every time I consider going to a healthcare professional or a naturopath or something like that, do you know what scares me the most? I don't want to go down the rabbit hole. It feels like a long journey.
1: Oh, well, I first of all want to say I'm sorry that it feels like a long journey. Like, <laughs> I would never want that for anybody. I mean, my whole focus is how can we do the least amount possible to get the most profound outcome? Yeah. I appreciate people are overwhelmed. They're stressed out already. They're busy. They're trying to live their best life. And they don't want a, a regime that involves four hours of their day with, you know, enemas. And and, and, and and that. And then you have right?
0: to wait two weeks and go back two weeks under the full moon when you're right, being exactly the amount. And it's like, oh my gosh, that's more stressful. Of I'll just
1: keep going. I'll just keep of course. plotting on. Mm-hmm. And I think Unfortunately, the pendulum also swings because whilst you might have gone to your endocrinologist or your doctor or whoever's prescribed mm-hmm. your medication and they've gone, this is what you need to do and that was at best maybe a 15 minute consultation yeah. <laughs> then the pendulum swings because then the the alternative provider thinks, oh, I've got to make up for that. So let's sit with you for an hour and a half and let's just have this elaborate and all these things. And they're, so they're trying to make up for what you didn't get, um, and which only overwhelms you some more. And so then, you know, it's this perpetual cycle. So, you know, I always say I don't, for me personally as a practitioner, I think there are far more skilled practitioners out there in the world than me. Where my superpower lies is I listen to people. I will sit and listen and find a simple solution because at that point, that's what the patient needs. Even though there could be a complex solution that may actually be what they need, the simple is the place to start because you're already overwhelmed. So, and it's how do I get you to do that one thing and me work out what that one thing is that's going to set the wheels in motion for you to go, oh, I feel better. Mm-hmm. And so then we get to add another layer to that, another layer to that. And can I tell you, it's, it's not that hard when the plan is right and when we can get you on that slipstream, but it's unfortunate that we, we try and compensate for the lack of what I think care it might've been given. So, you know, I, I'm always about simple. I'm always about ease. I'm always about how can I make this super basic? Like let's dumb this right down. And I don't mean that in an offensive way. I'm like, how can I make this as basic as possible for somebody? And that's, I think uh, I I try and give the least amount of information now to patients. I really do. Especially when it comes to fertility, because we're already at a point where we're really stressed out. We've been told out time is ticking you know it's it's now or never get into it you're probably going to have trouble that's my favorite like you've yeah, already- I, I was I was told that in my 20s mm. and um
0: when I approached 40 I freaked out and I froze eggs and through that process I was told oh gosh you're really fertile you're really fertile and so now I'm like am I or am I not and it's so like you know like that doubt and that because intuitively, I know my body can do it. I feel Absolutely.
1: Really- and I, I mean, I really do think that this is the other thing I want to say at this point is don't take someone else's opinion as a fact for you, mm. because it's just their opinion in that moment. And patients will say, you know, well, why does my doctor tell me that this, I have to take, take this medication for the rest of my life? And Here's the reality. If you don't do anything different and you just live exactly the same life that you're living right now, probably are going to need to take that medication for the rest of your life. Your doctor's correct because they're diagnosing you in that moment as you present. But what about if we create some variables? What about if we could go away and actually change a few things? To create some variables so you're not actually that same person that's sitting there in the doctor's office you're actually somebody else now because you've realized that maybe you need to have more fat and protein in your diet and you realize that you are very overwhelmed and stressed out so we need to do some things to help unpack that maybe just those two things creates amazing variables for you to then be able to adjust your medication and go back to your doctor and say hey My levels are better. What do you think about reducing my thyroxine or whatever the medication is that you're on? And they'll take a look and go, yeah, you are better actually. What's going on there? You know, who knew? So I think that there's a real, again, lack of understanding around that and and real lack of um, foresight into changes that we can make and how our body responds to those changes in a positive way to get patients to a point where they're on the lowest to no dose of any medication without symptoms. So that's the most important thing. It's like, how can I get you on the lowest dose? How can I get you on none? Yeah. Um, ideally, but we don't all necessarily live in that world. And, and that's what I'm aiming for. Does that make sense to you? Like, It, I've makes, just- it makes total sense to me. And so my mind is exploding on two different
0: sides my mind is exploding with knowledge I already knew I had that I'd forgotten in that everything is changeable.
1: Mm-hmm. Nothing's permanent.
0: And the other one is, and this is it's going to sound a really basic question to you, but the difference between medical and healthcare practitioner. I don't think I've ever been under the care of a healthcare practitioner and I have relied on in inverted commas specialists which are the 15 minute take this you'll never
1: have babies on your bike Right. well we don't listen I know i'm like the person that is the most determined on the planet when it comes to someone telling me that i can't do something i'll go yeah. and show them 15 times why i can go and do something so i've <laughs> never told you you can't have babies <laughs> yeah. right well so it's funny that to circle back to that because i remember when we started for a baby and i remember saying to my husband. I don't know if we can have kids. I've never been pregnant. This maybe I can't. I guess I was more curious, not in a place where I was asphyxiated by fear. Mm. And they're two different places to come from. And I try to get my patients back to being curious with everything because curiosity is so, so expansive. Whereas can you feel how fear is so restrictive? So if I'm like, I'm so scared I can't have kids as opposed to, well, I don't know. I'm curious. Let's see what happens. Um, and you know, two weeks later, I was pregnant, and he was like, "Well, what happened to the trying partner?" I'm like, Sorry, that's over, and don't come near me now because yeah, exactly, I'm good for the next three years. See ya. <laughs> right. So you know, I think I I took someone else's opinion on as fact that I might have trouble conceiving based on someone else's experience. Um, which is ridiculous. Mm. Like there's so many scenarios you wouldn't allow that to happen. Mm. But because we fear our biological clock, we buy into the fear straight away. So I'd have no doubt that you could do it. If you've still got a cycle and you're getting a period and you're ovulating, well, why not? And also why would we continue to prescribe birth control to women in their 40s if they didn't have a chance of falling pregnant?
0: yeah. Mic drop. I never thought about it like that because <laughs> it's true. We do right up until like men Now yes. you hear of women still on it.
1: Yes. And women can often be far more fertile in their, the, the version of their 40 year old self than their 30 year old self based on their lifestyle. Yeah. You know, it depends on what you were doing in your thirties. It's not that yes, age is a factor, but it's a slow decline. It's not a rapid drop. What speeds that up is stress. Stress accelerates everything. Everything we know, any illness is accelerated by stress. Aging is accelerated by stress. So, what we really need to be mindful of is looking for our body's signals, and then utilizing again those symptoms to know where am I at, and do I need to actually back up things here a little bit? Am I, you know?
0: Okay, so I want to get into that that exact phrase. Here are my symptoms and what do I do with them? because I think they're even for me as intuitive as I like to think that I am there is confusion is this a symptom? Am I just stressed? Am I overdoing it? and and it, I get in my own head about my symptoms and then to go to a doctor for example and say these are my symptoms. I know how they're going to be right treated or received. And then so I gloss over them until it's a problem so bad that I I can't do anything with. So how do we build that trust in self, that knowledge in self, that intu- intuitive muscle around our body so we know what steps to take?
1: Right. So a couple of things. Firstly, I think really leaning into body wisdom is very important. So just even writing, taking a calendar and actually committing to a month excuse me, to a month or so (laughs) Um, of writing down when things occur because anything that's cyclic is generally hormonal and anything that can be day-to-day and out of the blue is very often stress-related doesn't mean that stress can't impact your hormones either. Of course, that can happen because they're proportionate to each other. Sex hormones and stress hormones are proportionate. You don't, under high stress, you do not need to be ovulating. That's your body being smart when it says, no, we're not doing that right now. Because let's face it, every single day of your menstrual cycle, your body is setting you up to fall pregnant. That's what it's doing. Even if you're listening and going, well, I don't ovulate, then I'm saying, well, it's still setting you up because it wants the best environment. So if you're not ovulating, it's smart enough to go, not the right environment for pregnancy. So not going to do that right now. Uh, There's always a reason and we need to get to the bottom of what that is. So to tune into our own symptoms, I think the first thing to do is to note them down because we forget and just commit to doing that for a month. Write down when you have a headache, when you feel moody, when you're bloated, uh, when you might have a pain, whatever it is, just write it down in a diary so that we can look back and correlate what might be hormonal in line with the peak events of the cycle being ovulation and your period. Mm Mm-hmm. And what's just random and also maybe even write down whether or not it's been a stressful day. Just so again, you can see the correlation between those two things. And then we can get a little bit more curious because we've got some more information that we can align to either lifestyle or hormones, which gives us a deeper understanding of what's going on. I then, at this point, invite you if you are wondering, well, then what? I have a a hormone worksheet on my website. It's very basic, but it profiles. It helps you to profile your symptoms. And it's not going to be the overall answer, but it's going to allow you to have that curiosity to go down the next step and what's the next step again, and that's looking at your symptoms and profiling them and then working out what your imbalance might be. Um, and then with that information, then you can start to ask questions. Uh, but even your period gives you so much information about what's happening for you. Let's start with, is it heavier? Is it light? Because if it's heavy and there's nothing, there's no reason for that, like fibroids or a cyst or then, well, we can then say more than likely you've got too much estrogen in your body because more estrogen, more lining, more bleeding, or is it light? Well, if there's nothing else going on, uh, less estrogen, less lining, less bleeding. So you're low estrogen. So even just from your period, you can figure out, am I high in estrogen? Am I low in estrogen? That can then set you on a path to be more curious and look at your symptoms or even ask those questions to your doctor or even get the right tests done. Um, What I will say about tests is you need the right pair of eyes to read them. And I think that's again where things go awry because, I know if you came to me and you said, Nat, I want you to run a full panel because I think I've got cancer. I know that's a bit drastic. Ah, I'd say, yeah. well, I'm not your person. I don't specialize in that. I wouldn't even know what to look for. Therefore, I can't run that test because, well, I can, but then I'll give it to you and you need to do what you want with it.
0: Right. So
1: often we go to our doctor and we say, can you run these tests for me? And they'll be like, no. And that's the reason why it's a no, because they don't know then what to do with that for you because that's not necessarily their area of expertise. Mm. So it is really about getting someone that knows what they're looking at to read the tests and then be able to point you in what the next step looks like. And I, I do think that there there's a, a lot of tests out there that are misread, misunderstood. There's various reasons why. Also, you don't want to just be normal on a test result. You want to be optimal on a test result. Ooh. So, you know, that's all good and well if you're saying thyroid is a great example of this, okay? So your reference ranges for thyroid up until 2003 for your TSH were to be between 0.5 and 5. Those reference ranges were updated in 2003 or should have been, not all path labs have actually updated it, to be between 0.3 and 3. So now you've gone from the top end of the scale going from a 5 or three. Now, if your t- path lab is still testing using the old reference ranges and your result comes in at four, according to the old ranges, you're fine. According to the new ranges, you're off the chart. So can you see why wow. people get mixed readings when it comes to, especially thyroid's the best example of this? Yeah. Because there's no regulation. The path lab makes up what the ranges are. Wait, so each different lab? They make up the ranges based on the um section of people that they're testing now think about this if you're if you're testing thyroid there's generally a good reason you're testing thyroid right you're testing your thyroid because you think there's something wrong with it so the majority of those tests are for people with thyroid issues that's what they're basing the data on to come up with the average ranges
0: can you see why we've got a problem? Oh, my goodness. So I don't, like, I probably don't even have the knowledge of what a normal. This is why I find it hard to trust my intuition because I don't even know what normal is. Well,
1: you can trust your intuition in the sense that you know something's not right. Yeah. Yes. Okay, well, you start there. This doesn't feel right. I've been told I'm normal, but I don't feel normal. normal. Yeah. So there's there's the intuition piece. And, and so
0: this is blowing my mind. <laughs> <laughs> so... So I could be potentially a lot sicker or worse off than what I actually perceive when they say oh yeah your, your TH levels T-F-H, or whatever they yeah, say yes. I don't even know what the acronym is because it's just all over my head and this is my health problem. Right. Oh it's like steady. Yeah it's been this for a while so we'll just get on that thing.
1: You never want to be within range you want to be optimal. Okay. And an optimal TSH level is around 1. So this is the other thing, is learning where optimal is and learning where your range is and learning where you sit on that range. Um, And this this is what I'm saying. I teach patients this because I need them to know this so that they can advocate for what they need and they can work out why they don't feel great. They look at their test result and then they say, oh, my goodness, I'm being told that I'm normal, but I'm four, so I'm actually off the chart. I'm nowhere near one. And mm. so what do I have to do? And now the thing I want to say to this also is it's not as scary as you think because you can actually influence this by general day-to-day regime and it's not crazy stuff it's just knowing what to do and when to do it. And that's going to change individual to individual which is why having someone on your side that knows what they're looking for is really important. But I mean there's some pretty there are decent doctors out there that also do know this. I'm not dismissing yeah. doctors. I, I, the system is unfortunate. There's so many holes in the system and that's not their fault. That's just the way that it is. So, you know, I think everybody's got a place and I think being able to utilise, I call it your cheer squad, mm-hmm. your cheer squad of health providers that are sitting there so excited for you when, oh. you know, when you reach that goal, when your TSH comes down by another marker, when you um, – start to sleep a full night and wake up feeling good. You know, little things that really matter. And and I mean, I have a great suite of people. And I'm so grateful for my amazing suite of people. But it's taken a long time to find who they are. And that's trial and error and that really sucks when it comes to your health, doesn't it?
0: For sure. But I think this conversation is really inspiring. And I'm sure it's inspiring those that are listening to it to empower ourselves with finding that cheese squad because it's so important and it's okay to be overwhelmed with health because it is overwhelming. Because well, just can, so- can I
1: tell you, I mean, I find accounting overwhelming. I'm not an accountant. <laughs> I yeah. hate it. I find it overwhelming. I'm not that person. I don't really love the detail. Don't love the numbers. I don't have to be an accountant. I go to the accountant. I trust the accountant tells me what to do. And it's no different with our health. To a degree, I need to also know how to look at my overall financials and work out if I if, you know, where, where that sits. So there's a responsibility that I have yeah. when it comes to my accounting, no different to our responsibility with our bodies. So the same thing, if if I looked at the numbers and I wasn't happy with what I saw and I would say to the accountant, well, this doesn't really make sense. And if they said, Oh no, you're fine, would I take it as fine? I wouldn't. Yeah, totally. Well, it's not fine. Yeah. So it's the same with your health. You don't have to take it as a given if it doesn't feel fine. So when it start, when you're talking about intuition, lean, you know very quickly if something feels right or not. Mm-hmm. You know, we've all walked away from the doctor's office and, and thought, oh, that's just this doesn't feel right. Yeah. Or I'm so relieved. This feels amazing. Mm. Like we've done that. We've all done that. I remember walking away once when I, I had a series of abnormal pap smears and I was just, it was after a really stressful period in my life and I left the doctor's office and I was really down and out because the next step was like the cone biopsy and all the things. And mm-hmm. I remember just leaving thinking, oh, this just does not feel right for me. Like this doesn't feel good. Yeah, wow. And so I actually rang my GP back and I said, I don't want to do that. Like, can I, I can fix this. Can I have some time to fix this? And she said, Sure. I said, well, can I have six months? And she said, no, you can have three. Sure. Okay, fine. And so, you know, I knew it didn't feel, it didn't feel right for me. Um, And the other place this shows up time and time again for me is with my children. When they're suggested something and I'm like, "Mm -mm, that doesn't feel good. Yeah. What are the options? And can I tell you something? This can feel really scary until you do it for the first time and you speak up and you say, this doesn't feel good. What are the options? It is scary to say that, especially when you're sitting in front of the professional. It is, it is. It's very scary. But I think just asking the question, what are the options? That's a good, that's a good way around it, I guess. Right? What are my options? Like, can we talk about this? What are my options? There's always options, by the way. Okay. That's good. Good (laughs) I've never, I can't think of a scenario where there's not, you know, so it's just about an and. It's also about, like I said at the beginning, it's about you finding your way. Like what's your way? Because that's correct for you. It's not going to necessarily be correct for me. It's your way. What feels best that you can actually sleep at night knowing that you're doing something productive that feels good. There can be people out there that are listening to your story going, I take thyroxine every day. I feel a million bucks. This is the best thing I've ever done. It feels good. It's the right thing for them. Whereas you're sitting here potentially going, I take my medicine every day. I haven't done anything else. I don't really feel that great, but at the same time, my doctor says I'm fine, so I'm fine, but I don't really feel fine. That's a different scenario. So yeah. I think it's we have that's where that intuition piece comes in. It's like, yeah. well, how do you feel about it? And
0: having the the courage and the patience with yourself and the grace with yourself to follow mm-hmm. that through. Yeah. Before we wrap this up, really quickly, I just want to comment on or pick on one thing that I've heard a lot in this conversation is the word stress. And it's no surprise, of course, we know that stress is hugely damaging to our health, yet what I know I have a lot of knowledge on naturally just because culturally is diet. And, of course, diet makes a massive impact on us. But the mental health stuff out there that we come across and that gets spoken about is really about us feeling good as people and I and I, this conversation is niggling at me. Going, actually, it's it's about feeling good as people, but it's mostly about our health, like our physical health and the impact on that. That has hit me square in the eyes in this conversation.
1: Well, I'm glad because it's probably hit someone else in their <laughs> life as well. But I think the stress piece is something interesting. I'd really like to just touch on. Mm-hmm. You know, we've we're at a point in our lives I think we've got past the point of stress is a you know a badge of honor I think yeah. we recognize that that's ridiculous yet we don't do it what know what to do about it though so we've it's like I recognize the issue but now what do I have to go and meditate on a mountain every day to feel better and no you don't yeah so I think the first thing I want to say to people is you don't need to be stressed to get an, a good outcome We've kind of attached it to, you know, if I'm not stressed, then I'm not going to get the grades or if I'm not stressed, I'm not going to get the job interview. Well, what happens if you weren't stressed and you got the job interview because you went in there with such grace and ease and it was effortless because you deserve that at this point in your life? Mm. What happens if we did that? So what I want to say is I think first and foremost, we have to recognize when and where we're stressed and we don't do this. We just keep on going. Mm Mm-hmm because we can't do anything about it if we don't actually know we're operating from a place of of overwhelm. So being conscious around our stress is the first thing that we need to do to break the habit of that. And also, are we stressed because we're genuinely stressed or are we stressed because somebody else is telling us how stressed out we are? Our parents often are the ones doing this and it's out of love. It's not, it's not coming from a place of anything other than care and love but I think often they watch on and they think I couldn't do what you're doing and it's because we live in a different we Mm -hmm. do live in a different world we've got so many tools at our fingertips to make our lives easier Mm. that my parents wouldn't know how to use those they're relying on what they did what they've done and it'll this will keep on happening point being is though you know I will they'll constantly say oh Nat, you've taken more on you're doing more and I'm like. I'm doing less than ever (laughs) I mean there's a lot of things that I do but it's not like I just woke up one day and just decided to do a lot of things it's been a progression over time so I want you to also just be conscious okay yes I have my own stresses whether it's family or finances or whatever the stresses are but Are you also buying into somebody else telling you you're stressed when you're not actually that stressed? And just because they're telling you, are you then taking it on as fact for your life just because someone's telling you that? Because if you can, I I now, when people say that to me, I have this little mantra in my head and it's like, oh, you're cute. Thanks for talking about (laughs) me. But it's not true. And so I don't have to actually do that. I don't have to operate from that place. I can have perspective and I've lived enough I've, I've lived consciously with stress for long enough now that I can tell when I'm actually stressed or when I'm just buying someone else's stress.
0: Yeah. I mean, how, how often do you say to a girlfriend, how are you? Oh God, I'm so stressed. Yeah. It's the, the reaction.
1: Right. And I hate that. Well, I think also it's like, okay, well, what are you doing about that? Yeah. You know, what, what are we going to do here? And this, the first thing is becoming conscious. So it's like, okay, I am stressed. So if I am in a state of overwhelm and stress, the best thing I can do is when I'm actually feeling it, stop and go, Nat, you're actually really stressed right now. Like, and and just kind of sitting with it and letting myself move through that emotion. Cause then I can create a pocket of ease just by being aware. And it's not that I'm not going to get stressed again, maybe even five minutes later, Mm -hmm. if I have enough awareness to do it again, I create another pocket of ease. So how the, the, Real question becomes to me now, how many pockets of ease can I create in my day where I'm getting out of fight or flight, even if it's only momentarily to bring my cortisol levels down? The more I do that, the more that becomes a habit. And actually I start to stress less just because I'm aware of when I'm actually overwhelmed.
0: So good. I feel like I could talk to you about this all day, but I I don't want to keep you all day. Where can people find you and, you
1: know, really benefit from all the wisdom that you share? Wow, that's kind. Thank you. Um, If you head to my website, which is natkringudas.com, that worksheet that I talked about is the first thing that you'll find when you head over there. So that's probably a good place to start. Um, and everything is there. I'd invite you to use the search bar. There are years and years of mm. blogs and articles. and oh,
0: there is so and, much. Yes. There. I went down the rabbit
1: hole of your website. <laughs> I think I only just came up and that Sorry. was...
0: Sorry. No, just kidding. <laughs> it's um, great. It's
1: but, So, I mean, it's to the point where I don't really need to write much on there anymore because there's so much on there over time <laughs> that I don't really actually do much there anymore. But um, there's so much information there. It's a great place to start. And then you can also, from there, you can find my other social handles. I do spend a lot of time hanging out on Instagram. Um, It's my favorite place to be. In fact, if I could come back in another life as just an Instagrammer, then I would. Really, the the
0: the influencer life really suits you, do you think? Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, listen, I'm with you there all the time too. I feel like we have daily meetings. (laughs) I'm glad. Um,
1: (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, I think it's just such a, a great way to connect with people and for people to be able to ask questions. I do think that I will say that after my time on Instagram now, of how many years, I see this trend of women really not trusting themselves. So, to what we're talking about. And so, you know, where I am trying to create a place where. I can just drop little bombs and leave people thinking. I don't know if you've noticed that that's what I try and do. Why do you think I'm here with a microphone
0: <laughs> in your I just
1: feel like oh, going I want to talk to you. Yeah, I just like like to drop bombs and then walk off. <laughs> Then, it's actually really helpful and being provoked that way is actually super I think helpful. asking questions is really a healthy way to have these conversations. We don't want to be told what to do. I know that. Mm. The minute I say don't eat that, you're going to be like, mm-hmm. not my person. A million percent. But you don't like being told what to do, when I can get you to be curious and ask you a question and then you'll be like, oh. and then all of a sudden it's your idea, not mine then you're more likely to follow through with that. So I think that that for me is how I approach things now. I've been accused of being m- m- micro-passive aggressive and I'm like, well, that's not what I'm going oh, for. Oh, wow. That's I know, right? Cool on. <laughs> I know, but I'm like, no, that's not what I'm going for. I'm trying to help you be empowered by asking questions um, and you can't really get in trouble from asking questions. I've
0: discussed you, that too. Well, there are no stupid questions. And- that's right. So thank you for you know answering mine, but of also course. really thank you. Thank you on behalf of so many people out there for creating that essence of empowerment around our health, especially our hormone health because it can be tricky to navigate because it's always changing. So thank you for creating that container of curiosity, empowerment mm-hmm. and
1: helping us trust ourselves. Thank you so thank much. You. Thank you. That's so kind. It's such a pleasure. I, I, I'm here I'm here for that. I'm here to help people feel better. So thank you. Go follow Nat. Trust me, you will love her wisdom. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you.
0: Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Light Path Podcast. I hope that the information shared here has helped illuminate your path. Be sure to check out the show notes for links related to this episode. While you're there, remember to subscribe to the podcast to ensure you never miss an episode. I'm Kirsten Leo, and I can't wait to explore and expand our capacity for abundance, worthiness, and love together in the next episode.